Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue in America. I'm Suzanne America is one of few countries where you can hold on to your traditions while still embracing the blue jeans, pizza, and apple pie you're stereotypically known for. During this segment, you'll hear from two women who share their challenges and strategies related to balancing traditions from their native homeland as they grow into new parts of their identity as a result of their immigration. Josie Cardona was born in Puerto Rico and lived between New York and Puerto Rico until she was 25 when she decided to make New York her permanent home. Josie grew up with traditions of her native Puerto Rico that she shares with her children and circle of friends. Powerful and important are how she describes the blend of the New York and Puerto Rican influences in her life. Josie Cardona was interviewed by our segment producer, Yarina Sencion. Josie, thank you so much for joining me today in our conversation. What's your commitment to bridging your cultural past with and into your American life? Since a little kid, my mom always taught us that it is very important to, know, to not lose our identity as Latinos. And we can be a total Latin American family. And that's how my mom raised up. In childhood, my mom made sure we speak both languages, Spanish and English. Even though I was growing up in Puerto Rico, my mom still, you know, emphasized the importance of us knowing the two languages and knowing the cultures well. She always incorporated both traditions, even though we have the American, because Puerto Rico, you know, is like, we are part of United States. She always makes sure we knew all the Latin traditions, all the, Puerto, all the Puerto Rican traditions. Like for example, on Christmas, yes, we will celebrate Santa Claus, but on, on January, she will make sure we knew who the three kings were, the three wives, we call it Los Tres Reyes Magos. She always makes sure we understood where it came from and why we celebrated that differently. She taught me, how to always have my identity as a Latino. When I came back and I married, I married a Colombian, knowing the importance of our roots, we also make sure our kids know the traditions and the roots. My kids speak English fluently and Spanish fluently, and they can read both languages. It's not only speaking the language, it's them knowing how to read and how to embrace their their ancestry, that's very important for us. The ancestry, is, it's, we believe that the traditions from our parents and from our culture make them more intellectual and they personally grow. For example, here in the house is very important. We start at home in the house. My kids start from even very simple like food. My kids eat Colombian food. They eat Puerto Rican food. 
they eat cheeseburgers like Americans do. But it is important that they know where we come from. My kids know that as Latins, we have Spanian, African, and native Indian blood. They know, and they're very proud of that. They know they have traces of Spaniards, black, white, Indian. So they're very proud of their heritage because they think this makes them stronger as a person and it gives them a different like identity. I really appreciate all that you said from first giving homage to your mom, how she instilled those traditions early on in your life and made a commitment to learn your language really well. And then how you and your husband have now given that gift to your kids in both language and food and traditions to really embrace their ancestry and to understand their blood. It's, a, it's such a beautiful gift of legacy that you pass on to your children. I love how you champion this cause and truly live your life um, as a diverse person. Uh, would you say that you had to give anything in order to assimilate? Like when you say give anything, you mean give up anything or do I have to? Well, anything that you would want to do for your family that you haven't been able to do because you're in the United States. Well, to be honest with you, not really, because I have always, I have always, we always travel to Colombia or Puerto Rico, so my kids do know well the cultures. I, I, I don't think I have lost my identity as a Latino, and my husband either. Um, I don't really think I have given up anything. If not, I have learned more because I have learned more about diversity. And I think in the world we're living, diversity and learning to be diverse is very important. And we can teach others how to respect and embrace others and how to love and have a passion for who you are. That's so empowering because in diversity, we can honor each other and we find our strength in each other. And uh, I think that's really important. I think sometimes fear keeps us from sharing, but it's really where we find our strength. Yeah, it's not easy. It's a, it's a path you have to learn in life. In order for me to come to where I am now, I have have to learn and grow and go to different situations. But instead of me taking all those things in a bad or negative way, I have learn to embrace them take what is good from it and let go what is not so good and that have made me a stronger person a i think more mature also i feel more mature like morally and so i think i'm not afraid as i just said i'm not afraid of saying who i am or standing up and and talking about who i am or where we come from and and I wish more people will do this. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and truly speaking from your heart. I know that um, somebody will, will listen to this and uh, be inspired by your testimony. Well, thanks to you.
Through Josie's words, we hear how she feels she hasn't given anything up as a result of permanently relocating to New York. Actually, she feels she has gotten more out of life by doing so. It has fostered a stronger sense of honor and a greater appreciation for the diversity of traditions she has encountered. Ines Morsi Hogans was born in Queens, New York to Egyptian parents. She relocated back and forth between Queens and Egypt twice while growing up. She shares how her parents refused to give up defining aspects of being Egyptian and how now she, as an American Egyptian mother herself, has learned to gracefully dance that tradition and assimilation two-step. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for, for having me um, join your podcast. I, I am a first-generation American Egyptian, so my deep historical roots to being Egyptian as a first-generation American are a credit to my parents and everything that I know from that culture, tradition, religion, uh, music, just the love of that culture came from them because I would have to say that I don't think my parents ever fully assimilated to being American. I think that they refused to give up specific defining aspects of being Egyptian. And with that, they that was my reality at home. I came home to a home growing up to parents who only spoke in Arabic. Um, we only ate uh, Egyptian meals. We only celebrated, uh, actually we celebrated Christmas. That's, that's a whole, that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, I think that the like festival of lights in America was fascinating to my immigrant mother. And she absolutely loved the whole tradition of making cookies because that's very traditional in the um, Egyptian culture, specifically right as Ramadan ends and Eid comes we we embrace Eid with 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 a specific cookie and specific sweets and things like that but they didn't fully assimilate to being american and i would have to say that by nature that became part of my reality trying to make the most out of going to school with my peers and learning in an american school with american friends and then trying to balance my home which was fully completely egyptian in you know in every aspect down to the furniture and the way we had curtains you know moving forward to my own family now and i actually have a blended family so two of my children are fully egyptian and then the two others are african american and Egyptian. I have given them names that are Egyptian. So I have definitely tried to give them names that are easy for them to integrate because my name is Ines and you say it beautifully. But over the years, I have been called so many other things other than the beautiful name that my parents gave me. It actually has a beautiful meaning because either people refused to try to pronounce it or I didn't stand up for the way it was supposed to be pronounced. It was just survival. And so just to kind of make things easier for my children... I was very intentional when I was going to name them, giving them Egyptian names that are easy to roll off of an American tongue, and it's not bastardized in the process, and it's preserved, and it's still beautiful. So I've done that. I definitely feel their, their commitment to Egypt as American children happens when I bring them back for visits. My commitment is that I have relationships with my family back home. I don't have many family members here, it's just my immediate family, but my cousins and extended family back home know who I am, who my children are, who my husband is. Um, they know who they are and who their cousins are uh, from both sides of the family for, for the older two children. And 
the, the tradition of Ramadan, which is very ritualistic and very divine, is one that's preserved in our home. So that's beautiful. I think, I think you, you might need to remind me of some things that I'm doing. I might be forgetting some things just to make sure that I am still very connected to my roots. So I think about some of the, you know, times I've been able to share in those events with you, right? Whether it's the birth of the children and yes. how that is celebrated, right? Yes. I yes. think about um, just welcoming family that's coming for a visit. Right, and what that looks like when they come from Egypt here, but also when we went to visit them in Egypt. Yes, yes, they're, they're, yeah, you're right. With the birth of a child, there comes a, a, a huge celebration and one that includes feeding the community. And so those traditions, those traditions that are very much of service are very much still a part of my life. I also have to say in terms of acculturation, some of the health and wellness practices that I um, very much lean on in my everyday life are health and wellness practices that my father and mother instilled in me. Going back to basics, going back to the tea with lemon and honey, really simple things that are making the news these days were very much a part of how we survived, making sure that we ate raw vegetables and raw fruits. And that is how we accessed our food when we were in Egypt. It was like a daily picking of the seasonal fruit and vegetable. Um, so th that is very much part of my acculturation because it's accessible here. It's also part of the conversation now. So it always makes me smile when I hear, you know, this new, this new recipe using turmeric and ginger, you know, that, that's been my, 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 that's been like the most disgusting thing I had to Im enjoy as a child. You know, people are getting excited about it now, but we had to be forced to drink that as children. And mm -hmm. it's, it's heartening to know that some of those things um, that are very basic are very much a part of now a conversation that is uh, embraced in this culture. Ines, do you ever feel like you've had to give anything in order to assimilate to American culture? You know, my husband now is an uh, American. He doesn't speak Arabic and there's a sincere loss in, uh, and I mourn the loss of that language exchange that otherwise would have happened even on a small level. And so, you know, because I'm very aware of that, I make it my business to connect with my cousins and to connect with my friends who do speak the language to make sure that we include him in a funny joke or we share with him a few key words that he needs to tuck away, but that's a true loss. The language, because it is not a dominant language by any means. Um, certainly the reading of the language, that print, right? So I don't even have the text because now everything's digital and I can listen to pretty much anything, a sermon, a scholar, a mentor. I can have that but print, like having actual print in the way that we did growing up with books, children's books or adult books or even newspapers that flooded our home in Arabic print. That's not my reality right now. So that's definitely different. And I, I get excited about it when I'm in Egypt because it's, it's all around. But I found ways to supplement and I find, you know, the digital access to now kind of not, there's no excuse to be able to access whatever information or whatever voice or whatever sound you want to hear. It's, a, it's like a click away. I want you to think about, I'm gonna challenge you on this one. Okay. Thinking about all of the things that you have given your husband and your children regard to experiencing what 
your life was like growing up? What do you feel? Is there a special experience you can think of that you've given them access to that you are most proud of having been able to share with them because it is something that was always special for you as a child and you're still continuing that on even though you're no longer living uh, in Egypt or even in your parents' home? I'd I'd have to say, you know, like the timing of this conversation is uh, is perfect because Ramadan is like that time where you are forced to, it's the ninth month of the lunar calendar and every year it comes around. This year it happens to come around during quarantine, but every year, whether or not they are diligent, the divinity of that month is something that we practiced. We cheated as kids. We cheated and we broke our fast when no one was looking. And But, but, we, but you better believe we sat at the table to break our fast and wanted to indulge in uh, all of those goodies. And that tradition, that ritual is one that um, we have here. We have dates that we break our fast with. And they're in our home. They're from Trader Joe's, but they're just as delicious. And we say exactly, you know, we, we have a practice that we say, like right when the then goes off and um, we sit and we, you know, we speak about like the purpose of being still, the purpose of abstaining. I think that ritual and that teaching that abstinence, because it's so hard to abstain from talking, it's so hard to abstain from relationships, but to be able to practice abstinence and not have an addiction to something for such a long time takes discipline, takes a love, takes a sincere understanding of why you're doing it. I, I would have to say being loving it so much and being able to share that, so that now my two youngest are you know challenging each other by you know fasting each day and practicing this ritual that's been the most heartening um, part of being able to give them something that maybe they can keep on once a month once a year one month out of the year to really just give their own children and so i think that's really a great way to tie things up right the idea that when your parents came here they were leaving something precious behind but that they weren't willing to let it go and they instilled that in you so that you now pass that on to your kids, hoping that the experience will be something that they don't want to let go. I think that really is so true of many stories here in America, right? And that's what makes this country what it is, right? It's that unique fabric of all of the traditions that people have brought with them and continue to hold on to while being part of something new. So, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. Through these interviews, you heard elements of loss and also fulfillment, along with Josie Annie Nass's own personal growth in the fertile American soil that has hosted so many immigrant groups before them and hopefully after them. Being bilingual in America means you can love and honor your past while diving and rising into all this country has to offer. Whether you look at America and see a cultural mash or a richly woven tapestry comprised of unique fibers, one thing is certain, you are guaranteed the right to speak your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. By sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm, Bilingual in America, and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast, you are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us.